Turn in your Bible with me to a couple of passages. Romans 5 and Ephesians 2. Romans 5 and Ephesians 2. Tonight, what we're going to close out with, and I think it's a very cool one, uh, talking about the evidence of the existence of God uh, from God's not dead is living proof. We live in a time when there is living proof. We've witnessed it. We've experienced it. Living proof of the existence of God. Uh, and and it, tonight, what we're going to do in just a little bit, I'm going to look at these passages of Scripture, which are, which are not in your, uh, your uh, uh, overheads. Uh, we're going to look at, at some passages of Scripture that's going to define where we live today. It's, what we're going to look at today is the impact of God and His grace on cultures, countries, and countless lives. Because that's, that's the living proof that we've experienced. So with that in mind, let's pray together. Then we'll read some Scripture. Father, thank You for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And we thank you, Lord, that you're helping us learn more and more about who you are and how we can stand in faith and stand in confidence knowing that you have created the world and, Lord, you're in charge and you've got something going on in the age we're living in that is going to make a, continue to make a huge difference in the world. And everybody said, amen. You know, we're living in what many term the age of grace. Everyone say the age of grace. Now... How many of you know that prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, we were living, people were living under the what? Under the law. And the law, the Bible says the law was basically a babysitter for us. Just to kind of, number one, show us that no way we can, we can obey. How many of you know you can't obey without His mercy and grace? I mean, it just showed us that we're that we are natural born sinners. The Bible said basically the law is a babysitter until the appointed time or until Jesus could show up on planet earth and began to reveal to us his plan all along. How many of you know he had a plan all along? And his plan was to send his son Jesus to pay a great price for us through his blood Okay, pay for our sin because before Jesus, what, what does Hebrews say in the Old Testament? They were, they were offering up bl the blood of bulls and goats. Uh, and, uh, and, and Hebrews says, and for once and for all, Jesus came and he took care of that issue once and for all. Somebody say amen. And so today we're living in the age of grace. Everybody say God's unmerited favor. When God favors us. And how many of you know, to be born again, you can't be good enough to be born again, right? It's because of His grace. And so, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2, you ought to memorize this right here because this is powerful. I just want you to see these as we begin to look in just a few moments on what the grace of God has done over the last 2,000 plus years. Therefore, having been justified, everybody say justified. What does justified mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Everybody say that. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Jesus did. He made us just as if we'd never sinned, having been justified by what? Somebody say it loud. Justified by faith. And we also know that's a gift of God. We have peace, being justified by the faith of God, uh, by, the, by faith. We have peace with God. How's that? Through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access, we have access to Jesus by faith 
into this what? Say it out loud. Grace in which we do what? We stand in the grace of God today. Because of what Jesus did for you, you and I have the capacity to take our stand, take our place in the midst of the grace, the unmerited favor of God. And he goes on to say, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope, the confident expectation of good for the future of the glory of God. And everybody said, amen. So we're living in the age of grace. We don't know how long this age lasts. And let me just, oh, I just, I'm just bubbling over. Everybody say, help him, Jesus. Man, I, 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 I hung out with Jack Hayford a couple weeks ago. That guy just blew my mind. He just filled our, us preachers and our cups full. And, and from our time with him, I developed and am developing a series that begins the Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after. Now, don't let the, don't let the title scare you, but it's intended to put a little fear in people who have some insecurity about the times they're living in. Here it is. Doomsday preppers. Preparing your life and family for the end of days. I'm telling you, we're living in the end of days. We're living in the last days. And really, the, the age of the church is when, when the Pentecost was poured out, what did, what did Peter quote? He quoted Joel. He said, in the last days, everybody say, in the last days. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So we're living in the last days in the age of grace. We don't know how long it's going to last. So we've got to take advantage of this while we can. Amen. This is our task. This is our responsibility. Now, Ephesians chapter 2. Did you go there? If you didn't go there, go there. You need to memorize these two. Memorize? I thought that's for the children. It's for all of us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. There's that word again. For by grace you have been saved. In other words, your salvation was by his unmerited favor. You got that, right? For by grace you have been saved. How? Through what? And that's not of yourselves. It was a gift of God. In other words, there's no way you can make it on your own. It's because we live in the age of grace. And so what we're going to do tonight as we finish off this series, we're going to look at the power and the influence over the last 2,000 years and take a quick snapshot of how God's mercy and grace has, has proved itself valid and true and that there's been living proof. Everyone say living proof. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says this, After his suffering. He presented himself alive. He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was what? Man, Acts chapter, I said one, yeah, Acts 1, 3. He made many convincing proofs that he was alive. And now, even though he ascended to the, to, to the Father, how many of you know there's still many convincing proofs? And we're going to look at that. His footprints uh, his, his fingerprints are all throughout history over the last 2,000 plus years since Jesus came to planet earth and instituted the ministry and the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ that causes where everybody can be born again and come into right relationship with God. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at his impact and the impact of his grace upon culture upon on culture really throughout the world uh and so with that with that thought in mind i think of the early years of my life when i was a little kid uh the beatles hit the fan what was that the early mid eight mid mid 60s anybody here old enough to remember the beatles 
Anybody here know who the Beatles were? That would be amazing if you did. Anybody not know who the Beatles are? See the impact they made on our world? Nobody here, everybody knows who the Beatles are. I mean, they took the, not just the nation, but the world by storm. And their, and their lead singer, he wrote a song. In fact, I, y'all probably remember singing it. Imagine all, no, okay, here I'll try. Imagine there's no heaven. Remember it? I'll try. It's easy if you try. I don't know how the tune goes. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. You know what John Lennon was doing? He was a proponent that no religion was the best thing for everybody. He's trying to get us to imagine that the world would be a better place if all these religious nuts would just shut up and go away. And that's the pressure the church has been under from day one. How many of you know Acts chapter 2 and 3, Holy Spirit's poured out. Acts 4, pressure and resistance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from that day until now, uh, you know, hey, you know, uh, gosh, uh, uh, John Lennon was kind of like, he, he's the theme song for skepticism, uh, imagine. And from that day until now, uh, Christianity uh, has, has been under attack. And, and uh, the reality of God has been under attack. And in fact, some skeptics have gone so far as to say that religion is the cause of all the trouble in the world. And how many of you know religion has, has done some stupid things? There, you know, there's a lot of stupid things over there. In fact, our, our president, he, he tried to get, uh, uh, you know, historically started talking about, <laughs> what was it, the... Uh, you know, he's trying to tell us how bad we were, that it wasn't just Islam that's bad. All, all us Christians have been killing people for years. And you know what he was doing? Just what they've been doing forever. It's, it's a philosophical methodology. It's called the straw man argument. We talked about it. You know what the straw man argument is? And, and, and this is what they did. They take all the bad of Islam, all the bad of Christianity, all the bad of Catholicism, and they build a straw man and they look and they say, see, it's all bad. How many of you don't appreciate being lumped in with, with all the bad parts of, of religion of our day? And that's what they've endeavored to do. That's who John Lennon was. That's what he was trying to do. And we were all just going, you know, some of us were probably, you know, I don't know what you were doing. You know, you know we're just having a great time imagining that there's no heaven. Ah, it's wonderful. Oh, man, how seductive is that? And the philosophy was if we just get rid of this religion. Now, understand something. In my day, in your day, the, the, the concerted effort to get rid of, of, of any religious semblance in, hey, let's just stay in America, is profound, is profound. And I, I remember, gosh, when they, you know, took prayer out of the schools and they try to take it and they think, you know, this religion is bad. And what they, what they're saying is we get all this out and the world will be a better place. What has happened? You take Christ out of schools, what happened? Went down the tube. And so the exact opposite came in. You take Christ, you take God, you take Christianity out of America, and and you know what happens? We hey, abort, killing kids is legal. So you understand that's what's been going on. But in the face of all that, the age of grace, the impact of God. And his presence on planet earth and his plan. You need to understand something. God's got a plan and he's in the middle of, and I'm going to show you some things tonight and these three simple things. You're going to go, whoo, God's, God's working it out. Everybody say, go God. Go 
He's working it out. And when we look at our little bitty finite world and we think, man, things aren't happening. You know, this, that, the other. When you see the big picture tonight, you're going to go, wow, we're living in the last days. God's doing great things. Here we go. Uh, And let me just let me just throw out to you. uh, Let's take a snapshot of the past 2000 years. Let's start back right before the coming of Christ to planet Earth. Uh, The world was full of paganism and darkness 2000 years ago. Before Jesus came, it was dark. Everybody say dark. Catch this, ladies. No rights for women or children. In fact, this is not just 2,000 years ago, but in some cultures, not so far ago. uh, A woman, uh, you could buy a cow. It cost you more to buy a cow than it would a woman. How many of you ladies appreciate the fact we've come a little ways? Amen. That's the influence of the gospel. Children 2,000 years ago were being sacrificed to false gods. There was no value in human life. A quarter of Rome's citizens were slaves. A third of Athenian citizens were slaves. It was dark. Everybody say it was dark. And Jesus came. Now, think about this darkness. In fact, uh, there were four successive empires that had their turn in dominating the globe. And they all had, if you will, evil emperors who had a God complex. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. They all, did he get it right? Did he get it right? You got it. <laughs> I saw, I saw you. I, you had them before I said them. And all four, they did their best to control the world until another emperor came up and, and you know, uh, until they knock you off the top. And so when did Jesus show up in that process of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome? He showed up in the Roman culture when it was dark. Everybody say it was dark. And I thought about that today. When, can you, can you ima- imagine living 2,000 years ago when women weren't worth a cow? When children had no value and could be, could be offered up to gods and, and slaughtered? When humanity was enslaved, a quarter of Rome were slaves. You think we got it bad? Boo, boo, oh, boo. You know, it's not great, but I'm telling you, I'll pick now over 2,000 years ago any day of the week. And when did Jesus come? 2,000 years ago, when it was dark. And I've thought about that. And to think about the darkness, and here comes Jesus. And what does he say? I am the light of the world. Boom. Everybody go, boom. And as I tell my grandkids, go, boom, shakalaka. That's just Pastor Sam. But I'm telling you, think about that darkness. And here comes Jesus, born in a manger, a simple life, raised in obscurity for the first 30 years. And then 33 years, his influence began to take place. And in, and, and in three short years, The scenario was set up to the place where his plan could be finalized on planet earth for him to to die for the sins of all humanity, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rise again so you and I could have new life. Somebody give somebody a high five and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're living in the age of grace. We're living under the light and not under the darkness. 
And so Jesus came and accomplished great, uh, uh, made great impact. And then, of course, you know, he began to set the people free. And not only from slavery. In fact, here's, think about the message of the Bible. He comes into a culture that is, that is filled with slavery and bondage and people in bondage. And what was Jesus for? I think it was Luke 4. He picked up the scrolls and he just read some scripture. Let me go over there. This is not in my notes, but I'm just freestyling. Everybody say he's freestyling. I'm just freestyling. And he said this. He picked up the scrolls and he quoted this scripture. He read it out of Isaiah, I believe. I'm going to get there. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the first uh, where he starts quoting passages of scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the what? Gospel, the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In that culture, that was profound. All you slaves out there, I came to set you free. All you people in bondage and oppressed, I came to set you free. All you people who have no hope and without God in this world, women, children, brothers, sisters, here I come. And, and, I'm, and, and, and that's the age we live in, okay? People began to be set free. And so with that in mind, let's look at the impact. Let's look at the impact of God's grace that has been felt throughout all areas of culture for the past 2,000 years very quickly. Number one, the protection of children. Man, uh, we've seen the battle against children, but now, how many of you know, aren't you glad? There, in fact, Jesus came preaching this. Unless you become what? Like a little child. He began to value life. Contrary to the mindset of the culture. He began to value children. And in fact, he said this, whoever calls. Now, boy, think about how this went over in the culture of that day. He said this, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into the sea. Man, you talk about contrast between what was going on in his day and what he came preaching. He came preaching the liberty. And from that day until now, hey, even though there are cultures that are still very behind the times with their value of children and even women. Uh, in fact, I... I I can't remember. Pardon me if I get distracted a little bit, but uh, uh, is it Islam where the women walk behind the guys? Right? And they're covered. Unless they're in an area where there's known uh, uh, booby traps and bombs and, and things hidden in the ground, then they let the women walk in front. Gee, thanks. But how many of you like, hey, Jesus came. Hey, you know what the Bible says about women? We're co they're co-heirs of the grace of life. When Jesus came, he didn't preach the elevation of men and the, and the denigration of, of women. He said, ladies, let me tell you. And think about in the culture, in their culture, women, you could buy a woman for a cow, if you, you know, for the price or less of a cow. And so, hey, uh, all of a sudden Jesus comes and he takes all these beat down women and begins to lift them up and say, you're co-heirs to the grace of life. Amen. And in the area of charity. And it, did you know in some cultures, especially in India, if you're born in poverty, that's your caste. And, you're, and, and they don't believe you should come out of it. 
One of the great uh, uh, liberating factors in our India uh, uh, mission there in Visakhapatnam, anybody want to go there with me one day, uh, is they, they have eradicated the caste system in the minds of people. They've begun to, uh, I've seen it actually. But uh, the caste system in India, it's being uh, undermined considerably by the power of the gospel. Uh, but the caste system in India said, if you're poor, you're just going to be poor. There's no reason to help you. This is who you are. You just got to scratch it out. I'll never forget walking on the beach in the Bay of Bengal. Uh, and <laughs> some pastors, some guys had never experienced this. A little frail little woman. <laughs> this is kind of funny, actually. <laughs> She comes, grabs the leg of this uh, unwitting pastor who had never been out of Dodge and starts begging and just grabbing his leg. It was, it was hard not to, and she was in the lower caste system. And so he was trying, he didn't know what to do. I said, you, uh, and I can't remember, what's Indian, Indian money? It's, uh, anybody remember? I can't remember. So he didn't have any of that. And so he said, do you take American? <laughs> I said, they'll take anything. Just give them some. Uh, But that's who she was in the cast. Jesus comes along, and what does he say? Give, and it shall be given unto you. He breaks those things that the culture has put on us. In fact, hospitals and the care for the sick. It was, hey, even in our, kind of in our day, hospitals. How many have ever been to a hospital that had its founding roots in some form of religion or Christian faith? Where did that happen? It began when Jesus showed up and began to impact. What am I telling you? The light of God, the grace of God has impacted culture around the world. There's a, hey, it's living proof. People do, you know, people in today, they just look at it and think that's always been. It's the Christians. Somebody asked, who built the pyramids? Somebody said, well, the Jews built them. I don't, you know, I don't, they can do anything. Uh, even if they were slaves, I don't know if that's true. Hey, Jesus changes culture. Education. I love this one. Uh, it's, uh, uh, Rice said this, the first hundred universities in America were built to teach and promote education in the Christian faith. Think about it. The first 100 universities in America. Where's the atheist university? Where's the skeptic university? Hello. Just look at them and say, hello. I mean, just look at that. That's that's the evidence of God, the transforming culture. Amen. In fact, this is the biggest contrast of all in my book. What does, what does the skeptic or the atheist say? You know, the, what's the Darwinian, uh, you know, the Darwinian theory? It's the strong survive or what is it? The, 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 pardon me? Natural selection, the strong, even, even in the beginning of creation, when there were little cells, the strong cells overtook the weak cells and the strong cells made themselves bigger. And it's the survival of the fittest. That's what I'm trying to say. That's their mindset. It's the survival of the fittest. How many of you know all those people who believe in that, the survival of the fittest, they attended our, 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 our schools, they, they've been in our hospitals, they've experienced our charity, their wives are not worth, they're worth more than a cow, and their kids are special to them. Why? Because of the grace of God that has come and said, hey, we've out. And here's what Jesus said. Hey, instead of the strong survive, it's let the strong reach out to the weak. 
and help the poor, help the needy, help the weak. It's contrast to, to this mindset of secular atheistic society. What an evidence. The influence of God on culture just in the last 2,000 years ought to make everybody look and go, Shazam, there is a God. Are you with me? Say amen. The evidence and the influence of God's, God's uh, grace not only on culture, but let's look in countries around the world. The growth of Christianity in countries around the world is profound. And we here in America, you know, we used to look at our, some people still blindly do, look at the, like America is the hub of the Christian world. We got Billy Graham. Come on. Did you know America is no longer the hub of the Christian world? We're just, we're just a part of God's huge global plan. And if you get a little bummed out about what's going on in America, buy you a plane ticket. And you'll see some profound things that are going on around the world. In fact, I want to encourage everybody, sometime in their world, you buy a plane ticket. You go on a missions trip. You, go, you get into another culture and see what God, or another country. Hey, God's going to work. Contrary to common belief, God's kingdom is expanding all over the world. Let's look at it. In fact, even in, in the beginning of, 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 the, of the church, Acts 19, look what was happening uh, in, in the world, even in the first century church. It says, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Let's all say that out loud together. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I think I got about half of you, and most of you didn't say it out loud. You just kind of, here we go. Let's say it out loud. Acts 19.20 says this, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now play like you're a Pentecostal preacher up here and you're trying to make a point. And I'm, and I'm going to, don't follow me. I'm going to just show you what you need to do. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Are you with me? Can you do that? Do I need to ask anybody? Okay, you got it? Do I need to model that anymore for you? Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Acts 19, 20 says what? The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Y'all chicken livers, half of you still didn't do it. You're afraid you'd wake up your daughter, didn't you? <laughs> Amen. That's what's going on in the world. It's happening. Look at Africa. Man, I've been to Africa. Uh, in 1900, Africa was how much? 8%? 8% Christian. Today, it's almost what? Whoo! Just by the way, I think this is... No, those may not be Maasai. Those aren't Maasai. I don't know who they are, but that's... Uh, Man, I've, been, I've jumped with the Maasai. It's pretty cool. Uh, but there's a lot of Christians in Africa. Man, I'm telling you, I've seen... If you were have gone with David and, and, uh, and Jennifer Hatley, they went to, to, to Africa. They're going to have their 30th year anniversary next year. So, so 28, 29 years ago, they went to Africa with nothing. And today their influence is in many countries. Hundreds of churches birthed orphanages, uh, outreach helps to, to women who have, uh, have great needs in their life. And, and when you walk in on their campus there in Nairobi, just one of many campuses, 
You go, Shazam, you think that's cool. Then they'll get you in a van and they'll take you all over. We'll, you know, for three or four days and see. You'll pull up out in the middle of nowhere and, and there's this huge complex with children and teachers and helpers and, and, and orphans and they come running out and they think you're Papa and you go, I'll take them all home, hallelujah. It's just amazing what God is doing. That's just one little teeny little bitty bit. Think about that. And, that, and that's in a little over 100 years, 115 years. Plus, hey, throw in population explosion. That's, that's an amazing thing. There is no other religion. There is no, everybody's, and, and hey, we ought to be concerned about the rise of Islam. But I'm telling you, Christianity and the gospel of Jesus Christ is putting it to shame around the world. Somebody say a bigger amen. Millions of believers in Asia. Never really been to Asia. I've had people want to, I, I want to go uh, and visit some folks in Asia one day. Some of the largest churches in the world exist in Asia. In China, where Western missionary activity is basically illegal, Christianity has grown to over 100 million believers. Everybody go, wow. In fact, we support our missionaries in China, the Sayers. And they have orphanages, and they raise these kids up from the beginning. Some of them, in the early days, they found them in little holes. They, they, there's little. They lived in little caves in the side of mountains, little holes that they would just live in. Uh, and some of them came out of those holes. And they, but today the government is basically blessing them in their endeavors and helping them. He's been on TV. I'm telling you, God's moving in Asia. Somebody say Amen. Even. Uh, gosh, in Korea, I don't know if you ever heard of, I, I can't pronounce the name of the church. Anybody heard of Dr. Cho? Uh, supposedly the pastor of the largest church in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, some say, gosh, hundreds of thousands. Half a, half a, I don't know, it's, I don't know where it is now. It's just millions of people. It's just hundreds of thousands of people. Not millions, but hundreds of thousands of people involved in this church there in Korea. South America hosts some of the world's largest churches as well. Massive gatherings of two million people in Brazil for simple worship services. Amazing. When I hang around people, you know, I'm hanging around Dr. Shibley and these other world changers a couple weeks ago. Just You just hear what's going on all over the world. It's just amazing. People's lives being transformed all over the world by the power of the gospel. That's the age we live in. That's the evidence. You look at the world. When, if you can just back up and look at what God's doing in the world, you'll go, man, God's real. Amen. Now, in America and in Europe, here's, we don't see this as much, but there are, and I have my, I have my suspicions, but let me tell you what is declining in America. Nominal Christian faith, mediocre, watered down, quesarasara, religious. I, I, I'm trying to be nice, but that is declining in the world, but, but in America. But churches and ministries all over the nation that are preaching the bona fide gospel of God. Now, let me just throw out my own little commentary. And I, I spent some time uh, with two pastors who told, these guys are smart enough, they look at, in America, there have been young pastors rise to the top and have big churches and big influence in culture. 
And I spent time with one pastor in Plano, and he said this to some other pastors. He said, me and so-and-so, we were looking at all these guys. We're going, how long is it going to last? Because they saw flaws and cracks. And now we've begun to see, some of you may not, you know, just, we've, you know, Rob Bell, who was one, he's just now, I mean, he's just gone. Uh, You know, and other big name young pastors whose churches exploded and everybody go, oh, they're now, they're, listen, I'm not trying to be critiquing, but I am trying to say that that just because a church explodes and the pastor becomes popular does not mean that's a move of God. So we see that, but I'm going to tell you, in America, there's some, there's a new breed of Christian on the rise. There's a couple, they're watered down, you know, there's some that are going the way of stupid, but there's a, there's a core group. Some of you here tonight, you're going, hey, I'm in this thing for keeps. I'm not here for myself. It's not a bless me club. Listen, I believe God wants to bless us, but it's not about us. It's not about the blessings, you know, all I can get and can the rest. Come on. It's about lost people being born again. It's about the gospel. And Sunday morning when you get here and Scott Camp goes to preaching the gospel, he told me, he said, just preach, sing gospel songs and let's stay close to the gospel. My friend David Shibley, one of our uh, 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 ambassadors. He's he's writing a book. He's got the first chapter. He gave us a copy of it. Uh, it's called uh, what's it called? It's called. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying. Entrusted, and it's all about the power of the gospel. Listen, it's all about the gospel. You get away from the gospel, you're you've gone away. I'm telling you, if the gospel is not the core of who you are, you're you are you are off track. It's got to be about the blood of Jesus and what has called culture to be transformed. And so there's hope for America. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for America. And then finally today, just gosh, right here in this room and around the world, the evidence of God. It's not only the evidence that God's grace had on culture and countries around the world, but just countless lives throughout history have been transformed. By the power and the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. How many of you today, even if you didn't have all this down pat, and and, and I don't have it all down pat, even though you don't have all the answers to the skeptic's questions, you still know that once you were blind, but now you see. Are you with me? And the skeptic has to look and say, you know, I know, oh, so-and-so, he was a rascal before he gave his life to Christ. But look at him now. His life has been transformed. And throughout the ages, the testimony of changed lives because of the power of God and the, and the gospel and the cross of Christ. It's all about the cross and the price he paid for us and the evidence of God on planet earth. In fact, Revelations 1.18, Revelation 1.18 said, I was dead, but am alive forevermore. Everybody say it out loud. You don't have to be a Pentecostal preacher, but just say it. I was dead, but am alive forevermore. That's why we do what we do because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Hey, Do you know where Buddha is today? Where's Buddha? He's in the grave. Where's Mohammed? 
He's in the grave. Where's Joseph Smith? If you happen to go on down that road, he's in the. He's probably in. All of I, come on. He's in the grave. There's only one that ever rose from the dead, and you learned a little bit about it last week. Uh, hey, Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. He really did rise from the dead. Let me. Let me. Hey, let's go back. Go to First Corinthians fifteen. What time is it? I don't have my phone. First Corinthians fifteen. Oh, you need to memorize this one too. We got time. First Corinthians fifteen, the first four verses. This is the gospel. This is what has transformed culture. This is what has transformed countries. This is what's transformed uh, communities. In fact, ooh, before I read that, I want to read you. Gosh, I meant to read this earlier. Uh, a, a story about the Fiji Islands. Let me find the. Oh, let me find the page. This is amazing. Uh, 208, and then I'm going to read the, read, uh, the gospel. Is it 208? Everybody go. Oh, there it is, 196. The Fiji Islands. Catch this. The power of, of transformation. In 1844, H.L. Hastings visited the Fiji Islands. He, fa- he, he found there that life was very cheap and that it was held in low esteem. You could buy a human being for $7 or a musket. That was cheaper than a cow. After having bought him, you could work him, whip him, starve him, or eat him according to your preference. And many did the latter. Did you get that? That's the condition of Fiji. You could buy a person, work him, starve him, beat him, eat him, whatever you wanted to do because he belonged to you. Hastings returned a number of years later and found that the value of human life had risen tremendously. One could not buy a human being for $7 to beat or eat. In fact, you could not buy one for $7 million. Why? Because across the Fiji Islands, there were 1,200 Christian chapels where the gospel of Christ had been proclaimed and people had been taught that they were not their own, that we have been purchased with a price, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Now that's the power of transformation. That's the evidence for God. It's the age of grace. And aren't you glad we all live in the age of grace? And it's all about the gospel. With that in mind, let me go back to 2 Corinthians 15. I want you to mark this down. I want you to, I want you to embrace this mindset. Uh, you, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, pardon me. And, and just, just get in your heart and mind the power of the gospel. Here we go. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel which was preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. Remember, if you go back to Romans 5, what did it say? In the grace of God in which we stand. By which you are saved. Everybody say, I'm I'm saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, 
and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That, my friend, is the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less profoundly impacted culture, countries around the world, and countless lives all over the world for the past 2,000 plus years. Heaven is packed today. Well, there's plenty of room for you. But heaven is filled with people who have experienced the glorious power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Sunday morning, you will hear a very powerful presentation of the gospel. If you bring your friends and family, they will hear a very powerful, profoundly important presentation of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin and then they will be faced with the choice to give their life to Christ or resist Him. And with all our prayers going up, our prayer are, is that their hearts would be open to the power of the gospel. Now, let me say to you, this Sunday morning is going to be one of your easiest opportunities to get somebody born again. My friend, who Scott is his, a member of his church, he said this to me. They will be in the altar weeping under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He has an anointing on his life. He is an evangelist. Now, everybody's a person of choice, right? And so, they have the power to choose, but hey, they certainly got a better shot at following Christ if we get them here. And they hear. how It says, Romans says, how are they going to believe in Him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a what? A preacher. Is that Romans 10? The Roman road. So we stand in a great opportunity for people's lives to be transformed. So I want to encourage you in that. And let's, let's let the power of the gospel. And so concludes God's not dead. Everybody say, God's not dead. He's not even sick. 